Hello, it's Parker, and welcome back to Through Teenage Years. Today, I want to talk about Gravity Falls, because in the last episode, I said I was going to talk about cartoons and nostalgia, and then I was watching Gravity Falls, and I was like, I need to make an episode about this, so that is what this is. So, for those who don't know, Gravity Falls is a Disney show, and I'm going to read a summary from imdb.com. So, Dipper and Mabel are 12-year-old twins who are sent to spend the summer with their great-uncle Stan, Grunkle Stan, in the mysterious town of Gravity Falls, Oregon. Dipper, a bright young kid who is obsessed with the paranormal and discovering mysteries, Mabel, a funny kid who is obsessed with boy bands and falling in love with boys. These two are twins and will stand by each other's side till the very end. Now, they'll have to when the town Gravity Falls is threatened by several evil and unexplained forces. With the help from friends and family, they try to uncover the mystery of Gravity Falls. So basically, to make that make sense, Dipper and Mabel are siblings, as I said, and they find this notebook in the forest, and it has a bunch of, like, conspiracies and monsters and notes on monsters, and at first they don't believe it, and then they start discovering that these monsters in this book are real. And so they go through the first season and just keep fighting all these different monsters, and then it ends up, there's some lore, and then it ends up, that there's this demon named Bill Cipher, and he's like an extra, it's not extraterrestrial, but it's like, he's like from a different time, he's from a different universe, like the, the multiverse, I think. So he's from like this different place, but he gets summoned into the world of Gravity Falls by this kid named Gideon Gleeful. And Gideon Gleeful is in love with Mabel Pines. And he's like, you have to date me because I want you to. And she's like, um, no. And so he summons this demon. And then it starts tormenting Dipper. And as he's finding out who the author of this journal is, Bill continues to like try and stop him. And there's times where they go into people's minds and they are just like through time and space and everywhere and they go on these amazing adventures and Bill Cipher is just trying to stop them from doing it and then at the very end they end up erasing Bill Cipher from the universe and that's how the show ends. I'm not kidding when I say that I sobbed at the very last episode. I was sobbing, crying, and then my sister was home from college. I was sobbing, I was crying, and then she's like, okay, I'm gonna go back to college now. And then I started sobbing more. Like, this show, I have watched it for years and years and years, and is still, like, literally one of my favorite shows ever. It's so good. If you haven't seen it, You need to go watch it. I binged it in like a week. Like seriously, you need to go watch it. And so basically what I want to talk about today is I have quotes 
from the show when I was watching it. And I want to talk about how smart this show is. Because it's like on the Disney Channel website, it says that it's made for like seven and up. But this show, it's low-key, like really scary. And it has really mature jokes in it. (laughs) I just can't. Like it's so so good like I laugh all the time at these at these jokes in this show because like I just I I just can't they're so funny first I want to talk about the the serious stuff so as I said before Bill Cipher can get into your mind and Gideon Gleeful was trying to steal the deed to the shack but the deed was in a safe and he needed the code to the safe in order to get the deed. And so that is why he summoned Bill in the first place. And that is the first time we see Bill in this episode called Dreamscapers. And this is when Bill and Dipper and Mabel and Seuss all go into Grunkle Stan's mind. And they look around to find this code to the safe so that Bill doesn't get it first and so they don't lose the mystery shack. And in this episode in the beginning, Grunkle Stan is always picking on Dipper and he's always like, he's he's weak and he makes him do the hardest chores and Mabel doesn't really have to do anything. And so Dipper just thinks that he hates him. And so Dipper goes and searches in Stan's mind for an answer to what he's like so what he's doing to him and then Stan has this quote and it says he's a loser he's weak I just want to get rid of him those are all things people said to me when I was a boy it was terrible I was the biggest wimp on the playground and then he starts talking about how his dad put him in boxing lessons and he started toughening up And then he says, so you see, that's why I'm so hard on Dipper, to toughen him up. So when the world fights, he fights back. And Sue says, do you think it's working? And in the meantime, while he's saying this, Dipper is trying to chop a piece of wood. And he finally breaks the wood. And Stan says, he's really coming along. When push comes to shove, I'm actually really proud of him. And I'm about to cry. Like, in the beginning... When he first found it, he said, he's a loser, he's weak, I just want to get rid of him. And he thought that Stan was talking about him. And so he was really upset and he was like, why should we even save Stan in the first place? Because he does this to me. And he's and so insensitive and rude to me. So why do I need to save him? And he goes back to this door to Stan's mind and he sees that. And he gets really excited because he realizes that Stan doesn't actually hate him. And he's really proud of him. And then after the episode is over, Dipper hugs him and then chokes him and and Stan says, Not bad, kid. Not bad. That's so cute. And it made me cry when I watched that. Because, oh my god. Like, oh my god. Uh... It's so cute. It's, I can't, I can't do it. Like, it made me so sad because, like, men are forced to, like, hide their feelings and not really, like, communicate what they're feeling because of this standard that has been put on them. 
And it's so refreshing to see in a kid's show that this is happening and that Dipper isn't actually weak. And a lot of young boys can look at this character and relate to him because he's not the typical boy. He's not playing football. He's not doing all these things. He's actually, he loves learning and he loves being a little nerd. And that is something that's really admirable because he gets praised for it and it's so cute and it makes me so sad that like kids whether you're a boy or a girl or non-binary or whatever you are kids should just be kids they shouldn't have to worry about all these things and they shouldn't have to worry about hiding their feelings because people tell them that they're being dramatic or they're being sensitive like the way that this show just shows that it's okay to be a kid it's okay to make mistakes it's okay to be weak it's it doesn't matter if you're weak or if you're strong it just matters how many times you keep fighting and that is something that the show really is does a great job at showing oh my god I'm about to cry okay let's move on before I start violently sobbing in this episode, Blendon's Game, which is where Mabel and Dipper is Seuss's birthday, which is one of the workers at Gravity Falls at the Mystery Shack. It's Seuss's birthday, and they try to throw him a surprise birthday party because they saw in his wallet that it was his birthday that day, and they didn't know because Seuss didn't tell them. And they end up traveling back in time and seeing why Seuss hates his birthday, and it's so sad. So this quote from Young Seuss is, that's the seat of honor. It's for my dad. I haven't seen him in eight years, but he's coming today. Like, like I said, like this show just like it has so many different perspectives and so many kids and just people in general can relate to what this show is saying and there's not a lot of kids shows like that there's not a lot of kids shows that like show characters without a parent figure or without someone who isn't a good parent figure because his dad sends him postcards and promises that he's gonna be at this next birthday party that he's having and he believes him and it's not because he's gullible it's because he's naive because he's a kid And he believes his father, who is supposed to love and care for him, but he doesn't have that. And a lot of kids don't have that. And for this kind of representation in a a show is really beneficial for kids who don't necessarily have that. Because at school, a lot of kids still have both parents. And sometimes people just can't relate to that. And so to see a character on TV, on a show that they love, that is going through the exact same thing as them, is really beautiful. And it's really nice to see. And so later in the episode, when Dipper and Mabel get him a time wish, which is basically a wish where you can wish for anything in the world that you want. Like, it can be anything you make up. Seuss says, Birthdays are supposed to be spent with the people that care about you. But you know what? 
that dude didn't care about me enough to visit me once, let alone fight monsters through space and time like you dudes. I mean, you had a gladiator fight just to make me happy. I've been being ridiculous this whole time. Whoever my dad is, he could take a hike. I know who my family is now, and it's you dudes. Thanks for making this the best birthday ever. Like, again, it's just showing that not only does he not have a father figure in his life, but he also doesn't have to depend on that. Because a lot of it is that, obviously, people depend on their parents, and when they don't show, it's upsetting. And it's it's really awful. And, and um, like, when parents aren't good... It's really hard. And I mean, like in a lot of situations, there's not really anything you can do besides to reach out or to move on. And in this episode, he finally moves on because he realizes that there's so many other people who care about him and he doesn't need to focus on the one person who doesn't. And I keep saying and saying but it's so true this show is absolutely beautiful to give this kind of representation to these kids because like how many shows how many kids shows do you see where one of the main characters doesn't have a parent a parental figure not that many so it's just really it's really beautiful moving on <laughs> i'm going to cry in the next episode it's called North Northwest Mansion Mystery. And there's this character named Pacifica. And this entire show, she has been really mean to Mabel because she's rich and she's pretty and she's popular. And in this episode, she really reveals her true colors because she's not just like that to be like that. She's not mean because she wants to be mean or she's not she always has to be perfect, and it's not because she wants to be perfect. It's because she's forced to by her parents because they founded the town. Her family founded the town. They live in this beautiful mansion, and it's just ex- it's just an expectation at this point for her to behave and act like a stuck-up brat because that's how she was raised by her stuck-up parents, and it's just... Ex- an expectation that she does the same and she follows in her parents' footsteps and she listens to her parents whenever. And in this episode, there's a monster who's, or a ghost, who has cursed this mansion because because of their brutality to the, to the common folk. And Pacifica says, I'm just another link in the world's worst chain. I just got chills. I just got chills. Like, People are mean and people are cruel. Like, people bully. But it sucks because you never know what they're actually going through at home. And it's really tough because you don't want to give them an excuse because they're being rude. And you shouldn't have to. Like, people shouldn't be mean no matter what. But it's this thing that she was raised this way. She doesn't know better. And it's upsetting because she 
she can't not because her parents have this control over her. And at the end of the episode, the way to fill the curse is to let the townsfolk into the party. And her dad is controlling her this entire time. And she finally, at the end, she finally breaks off from him. And the party, and she lets the town folk in. And the party becomes this amazing thing where it's just a bunch of different people having so much fun together. And it's, 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 I keep saying this, but it's beautiful to watch. It's beautiful to see these people bonding over something that they didn't have. Like, I, I can't with this show because it just makes me so happy. And it's, it's, it really, like, hits a lot of soft spots for me. In this next episode, it's called The Tale of Two Stands. And in this episode, we find out that Grunkle Stan has a long-lost twin brother. And he finally gets him back from this portal. And his name is Stanford. And Grunkle Stan's name is Stanley. So I'm going to call Grunkle Stan, Grunkle Stan, and I'm going to call Stanford Ford. Just so you know. So in this episode, he's really upset because he's trying to like keep Mabel and Dipper away from this guy because he's dangerous. Like he wrote the books, he wrote the journals that have all the monster research in it. And obviously Dipper is obsessed and he wants to go on adventures, but in actuality, it's really dangerous. And Stan says, Grunkle Stan says... And, well, they get in this big fight, first of all, because he's really upset. Ford is really upset that Stan, like, ruined his life, pretty much. And Ford is trying to be a part of the Pines twins' life. And Grunkle Stan says, you stay away from those kids, because as far as I'm concerned, they're the only family I have left. And this one's really sad because because that's his brother that's his twin that's his other half and you can tell that from the show and it's like it's it's just so upsetting because because you're always taught to love your sibling to love your family but sometimes it's really hard to and people shame other people for that. When in actuality, just because you share the same DNA or just because you share the same blood, it shouldn't mean that you have to love these people. Like, I don't even know half of my family and I'm just expected to love them. It's confusing and it's kind of frustrating at times because like I said, before with Seuss, he doesn't really know his dad and he's just expected to love him and to care for him when his dad doesn't even care for his own son, something that he created. It's, it's, um, it's tough. Like, it's hard because it's just expectations. And this show is just... It's just, um, like, this show is really beautiful because it just breaks down these expectations 
that people have for other people and it shows them that this isn't what life is like. This isn't what life is made for. Life is made to spend time with the people that you love and to make amazing memories. And it's not to follow expectations from other people that don't really matter in the long run. Like bullies and people who are mean, it shows just not to give them the time of day because you don't know how long you have left. You don't know, we don't know anything about our lives. We just know what we've lived and what we're currently living. But there's so much that we don't know. So why waste it with expectations that you have set for yourself and other people have set for you? Because in actuality, you only ever get to live one time. So why spend that one time living for somebody else? It's ridiculous. And this last quote that I have is from Dipper. And I can't read the title because it's literally just a bunch of letters jumbled up. But it's like X-P-C-V-E-A-O-Q-F-O-X-S-O. I just want to give credit where credit is due. So Dipper says, If I've learned one thing this summer, it's that you can't force someone to love you. The best you can do is strive to be someone worth of loving. I'm about to cry. Like, I am on the verge of tears. Because that is so... I need to find another word for beautiful. That is beautiful because a lot of people are naive when it comes to love. And to hear this coming from a 13-year-old kid, someone who is 13 years old, and because the entire show he's tried and tried to be with this one girl who in actuality just doesn't love him. And he's upset because... That's really hard to take. It's hard to handle when someone you love doesn't love you back. But like he says, you can't force someone to love you. Just the best you can do is strive to be someone worth of loving. Because if you're not someone worth of loving, why would anyone love you? Back to like back to what I said, we only have one life. And we need to spend it with people that we love. And we need to spend it trying to be somebody worth of loving. And that's really important. Yes, you can love people and people can love you back. But if you're not a good person, why would anyone love you? So let's switch gears to the funny parts. Because... I am about to cry, so I need something funny. Okay, so we're going back in time. I'm going to start at the beginning of my quotes, which go from the beginning to the end of the seasons, obviously. So in this one episode called Little Gift Shop of Horror, I love how they reference Little Shop of Horrors. Yes, it's because I'm a theater kid. And yes, it's because that's a great musical. What, Whatever. So, in this episode, it's a bunch of little, like, stories put together. And Mabel is, like, really scared 
of claymation, and understandably so, claymation is actually horrifying. Unless it's Coraline. Well, Coraline is horrifying. Unless it's Nightmare Before Christmas. Then it's fine, and it and I love it. Anyway. So she's really scared of claymation. And Grunkle Stan and Dipper and Seuss... They're all like, it's not real. It's just a bunch of tiny little figures that people move frame by frame to make it look like they're real. And so they go to the studio where the maker of the movie, his name is Harry Claymore. And they go to his house where he lives to like see all of his wax figures so that they can show Mabel that's not real. And that's literally just a bunch of tiny little figures. And then they find out that all these figures are actually alive. Because Harry says, you really believe somebody moves these figures one frame at a time? I'm not a masochist. That's crazy. That's freaking crazy, bro. Like, that's insane. Saying masochism in a kid's show, seven and up, is crazy. But he's like, why would I move these figures frame by frame when I can use dark magic to do it for me instead? And so they all get kidnapped and then... Mabel has to save them. (laughs) In this next episode, it's called Society of the Blind Eye. And let's introduce McGucket because I love McGucket. So McGucket is this character who's a hillbilly. And we find out in this episode that he actually worked with the author of the novels, which we later find out is Stanford Pines or Ford. And so he's talking about how like he's kind of been made fun of his whole life which is sad like this episode's sad but there's this really funny part where wendy's friends the girl who dipper was in love with all summer their names are lee and nate they spray paint on mcguckett's little house thing in the dump mcsuck it like this is what i'm saying like this humor is mature like masochism suck it it's mature for for a kid's show, 7 and up. Like, that's why I still love it. Because it makes me laugh, and it makes me cry, and it makes me cringe, and it makes me, like, kind of, like, ew, you know? It's so funny. And then later in this episode, Mabel is telling Wendy about all of her failed romances. She's like, I don't even know how to flirt with a guy. And Wendy's like, Pretend I'm a boy. She tucks her hair up in her hat and she goes, <laughs> testosterone. Bruh. Like, this is why I'm saying that this, like, this is a kid's show, yes. It's a cartoon, it's colorful, and it has funny little things. But in actuality, it's not really for kids. It's for kids in the sense that it's colorful and it's cool and these characters are really likable. But it's for the parents watching or the older kids watching because of this like this humor because kids don't understand what testosterone is they don't know what suck it means they don't know what masochism is and so it's really for it's not for kids it's for the parents that are watching like these all these jokes that i have written down are for the parents or the guardians watching because like It's not for kids. All these jokes are not for kids. (laughs) And so this last one I have is back in A Tale of Two Stands. 
and they start telling their life stories, Stan and, Stan, and Stan and Ford. And Sue says, I hope all this lines up with my fan fictions or I will be very disappointed. You're what? Sorry, can you say that again? Did I hear you right? Your, your fan fictions? I'm sorry, I'm just a little confused here. What fan fictions are you talking about, Seuss? Having fan fictions in a kid's show is crazy. And low-key, I want to read these fan fictions. <laughs> like, I want to know the, 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 the what's going on in his head. I want to know what's going on in Seuss's head. So that is all the funny quotes I have. And we're going to move on. To, I have two left, and it's references to other shows, and it's scary. So, references first. Like I said, in the little gift shop of horrors, it's literally little shop of horrors. And in this episode, it's called The Real Girl. There is this game called Romance Academy 7, and it's like... It's literally like Doki Doki Literature Club in the sense that it's a dating simulator where you date evil anime girls who want to erase all the competition. So it's literally like Doki Doki Literature Club. And when I watched it, I got so excited because it's like, it looks like the same kind of animation, I guess. The same art. It's not the same. Like, it's not the same, but it kind of gives the same vibes as doki doki literature club which is super cool and in the same episode there are animatronics like in fnaf and it's it's so fun because there's just these singing animatronics in a little pizza place and it's like fnaf and doki doki literature club all in one episode and it makes me happy oh okay i have um part of this is also scary so i guess i have two scary things but when Seuss starts playing this game that he bought, the Romance Academy 7, he starts playing and she already knows his name. And is like, and he's alone in the room and she's like, will you be my boyfriend? He's like, yes, yes. And he's talking to this computer and she's responding. And then they start laughing and then it pans over to the computer not being plugged in. Oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. Like, when I watched that, that literally gave me chills. Because that's so creepy. Like, his computer is not on. And he's talking to this person, or this not person, this video game character. And his computer literally isn't freaking on. And it scared me so bad as a kid. Oh my god. And then there's this other scene in Northwest Mystery Mansion. Where the... They have a bunch of um, stuffed animal heads on their walls in this room. And they have like this pool table. It's like a game room where there's a fire and a pool table and darts and all these animal heads on the wall. And when the ghost comes, the animal heads start bleeding from their mouths and their eyes. And they all in sync start chanting ancient sins. So they're bleeding from their eyes, and they're all chanting ancient sins, ancient sins, ancient sins. And then, when 
the ghost actually arrives. Dipper and Pacifica hide under the pool table. And the ghost drags his axe along the floor. And you can just see his footsteps. I'm like looking around my room in, in, in fright right now. Because that is horror movie shit. Like, that is straight from a horror movie, and I don't like it. Like, I'm looking around my room right now, and I'm a little concerned. That's so freaking scary. Like, oh my god. Animal heads bleeding from their eyes and their mouths. What? Excuse me, huh? Sorry, I'm a little confused. Why is this in a kid's show? I had nightmares about this, about that episode. Like, it scared me so bad, so bad. And obviously it would, like, oh my god. (laughs) Like, it, (laughs) it's so scary. And I'm going to wrap it up here with the, the ending. So, Bill Cipher, in the end, he gains control of Gravity Falls and in this last episode where I cried, he starts. So Bill Cipher kidnaps Dipper and Mabel Pines and Ford and Grunkle Stan. And then the kids start running from him. And he's like, I'm going to get you. And when I get you, I'm going to kill you. And so the only way that he won't get killed about or the kids won't get killed is if Stanford gives gives up his mind to Bill because Bill is trapped in Gravity Falls and only Stanford Ford, sorry, Ford. And only Ford knows the way to get for him to get out of Gravity Falls. And so he's like, okay. And so Ford is like, okay, fine, I'll give you my mind. And when Bill goes into his mind, it's actually Grunkle Stan's mind. And they switched clothes. And then from the episode The Society of the Blind Eye, they have this memory eraser gun. And and when Bill is in Grunkle Stan's mind, they have to erase him. They have to erase all of Stan's memories in order to kill bill i just i was about to cry and then i thought of kill bill by scissor and then it made me like kind of (laughs) giggle okay anyway and so they erase stan's mind and then when everything is teleported back to normal there's this really sad scene where mabel and dipper and seuss and ford and wendy are all around Stan, and they're like, oh my god, Stan, you did it, like, you're our hero, you saved the world, but he doesn't know what they're talking about, and he doesn't know what's happening, because he doesn't have memory, he doesn't have his mind, everyone starts crying, because they realize that they just lost their uncle, and, um, Mabel made a scrapbook, and she starts showing him pictures from the scrapbook and he's like I'm sorry I don't remember and then Mabel's pig Waddles like jumps on him and starts licking him he's like get away from me Waddles and 
he, he starts like gaining back his memory from this scrapbook. And it's really sweet and it makes me, and it made me cry. And I'm about to start crying, like my voice is quaking. And it's really sweet. Like, I love this show so much. I'm literally in love with it. I think it's low-key my favorite show because just like it's mature, but it's also like gives me a sense of nostalgia because I watched it when I was little and it's like, it's complicated, but it's simple sometimes. And when it, and when stuff gets really hard, there's always something to make it better. And I think that that just doesn't happen in life. Like when things get really hard, sometimes there isn't always something to make it better. And in this show, there always is. So it provides a sense of comfort for me, I think. And I think that's where I'm going to end it. Because if I keep talking, I will cry. And I don't want to cry. So I'm going to end it here, folks. Thank you so much for listening. Check out my Instagram. It is through underscore teenage underscore years. I will post this episode once it releases. Thank you to my friend Ruby for making the art. It looks amazing. Thank you so much. And I will see you on the next one. Bye-bye.